Yes, sir, and welcome. Welcome, welcome to episode 51 of the Good Look Podcast. I'm your host, Lennon Pinkney, a.k.a. Agent P, a.k.a. L. Pinkney, here to give you guys another episode. Man, I'm recording this right now, right after that Lakers-Warriors game. The adrenaline is still pumping. That was incredible to watch. I will get into it in a second, but first, we got some housekeeping things to take care of. Um, but before that, uh, appreciate y'all for, for taking the time to listen um while it was do uh while it was just not having posts up uh appreciate you guys out there once again for for listening it's it's really it's it's awesome to see the support for the podcast still so once again thank you very much um at l pinkney on twitter or excuse me changing them up a little bit agent lp34 on twitter it's at the good look podcast on instagram is where you're going to find the links fm appreciate y'all thank you very much now Get into some of the housekeeping things before we get into the actual games. Hall of Fame takeaways. So now we might have just had the most impressive Hall of Fame class inducted over the past weekend. Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, and of course, the late, great Kobe Bryant. On top of that, we had Tamika Catchings get in. Mike Breen got in. Michael Wilbon got in. Like This wasn't just about the guys... And the women that played basketball, this was about an all-around class that might be the best Hall of Fame class ever. So it was absolutely awesome to watch. Great to see the speeches. And I know Vanessa Bryant's was very heartfelt. Um, but I think Tim Duncan's was the best. Um, not to say who cares it's the best. I think the Tim Duncan one, because he's just such a quiet, stoic person, always was in his career, never said anything right before said that he was the most nervous he'd ever been in his life just to do that speech not a game seven not an nba finals it was that moment so it lets you know what this really means to a lot of these guys because it's a select group that get to the nba to begin with and then the guys who end up making a hall of fame career out of it it's it's even rare so shout out to all of them um shout out kg uh, one of the biggest competitors ever um getting in as well and then shout out obviously kobe uh, one of the coldest greatest of all one of the greatest of all time um absolutely stunning class great ceremony it was awesome uh but now let's go ahead and get into some other things well before i do that i want to give a shout out to marv albert so marv albert if you don't know but if you listen and and you and you and you've watched basketball uh for a long time marv albert has been in your ear, your entire basketball life. This man has been around since the NBA has been invented, pretty much. He started doing Knicks games when he was in his 20s. He's going to retire this year. He's 79 years old. Now, it's his, It's a little tough listening to him now sometimes, but he's still maybe top three or four of the best uh, play-by-play analysts I like to listen to now. 
Um, definitely the GOAT. Even though he's not my all-time favorite, he's absolutely incredible. He's been a staple in NBA this culture and, and, and the game itself for so long. Um, it's going to be weird not having him announce games anymore. It's like when Keith Jackson was doing college football and all of a sudden he wasn't doing games in the early 2000s. It was just a weird transition, but we still got guys like Mike Breen and Kevin Harlan, um, some new guys as well coming in and doing a great job calling games. So we still got the game in good hands, but definitely going to miss Marv Albert. I mean, just if you think about the most iconic plays of all time, especially in the finals, things like, oh, um, a spectacular move by Michael Jordan. That's my uh, that's that's Kevin Harlan. Or, excuse me. <laughs> that's Marv Albert. Sorry. Got all the play-by-play people's uh, names stuck in my head. But, yeah, shout-out to, to Marv Albert, man. He's um, he's known for the iconic yes after making after shots go in. Um, he, his, his delivery was second to none. Uh, I'm getting really nerdy into, like, the play-by-play stuff, but this guy was it. Um, and to do it for almost six decades is to, to do anything. To live let al- for six decades, let alone do this job for six decades, is absolutely, positively one of the most incredible feats in all of basketball, all of sports, um, and especially in the in the broadcasting community. So salute to you, sir. Absolute legend. Please enjoy the retirement. We will miss you. Playing games. So these happened. Um, I like the idea of them. Regardless of what LeBron said, um, I liked him going in because in reality, as this moves forward, it's not going to really mean that much. You're going to see a lot more Indiana Charlotte than you are going to see Warriors Lakers. So let's just pump the brakes on this whole playing game stuff. Like, And we're at the end of the day, we're talking about the last four seed or we're talking about seeds seven through ten having to fight to get into the postseason. These are most likely never going to be, other than this season, teams that'll win the title. The Lakers, it's just an anomaly year that they're the seven. This normally isn't going to happen. So it's not going to have people up in arms going crazy about, oh, well, you what if you knock out LeBron and Steph from the playoffs? Like that's It's, it's just not going to happen that way. So I'm a proponent for it. It's going to be fine. People need to chill. But let's go ahead and talk about them a little bit. Even though we kind of don't have to talk about this one, Pacers-Hornets, that game wasn't even a game to begin with. The Hornets obviously missed just a veteran presence, Gordon Hayward. Um, and I made fun of the Gordon Hayward contract. Um, I thought it was ridiculous. Um, but not because of what Gordon was as a player. Because Gordon, when he plays, is still good. But what ended up, unfortunately, uh, coming to fruition was him getting hurt at an inopportune time. They really needed him in that game. He wasn't available, and um, Indiana just started up mad hot. Doug McDermott, Omey Brissett, like, they were just hitting. And Charlotte had no answer for it. LaMelo played really bad. It was just, it was tough. So, bye-bye, Charlotte. You were definitely one of the most exciting teams to watch this season. Thank you, LaMelo, for having an incredible rookie year. Um, But now they have to go to the wayside Pacers. Uh... Going to go ahead and have one more chance here to see what they can do if they can get into the playoffs if they win their next game. They're going to be playing the Wizards, who lost to the Boston Celtics. The game was pretty blah, other than Jason Tatum going off for a 50-piece nugget 
with the sweet and sour and barbecue sauce on the side. Like the kid was absolutely spectacular. Shout out to Jason Tatum. Grizzly Spurs, the game right before Lakers Warriors. It was kind of eh. Um, because the Spurs were down like 21 early. So we were just like, okay, Grizzlies are going to cruise to this one. Spurs, being this uh, sound team that they are, found a way to fight back, even though DeMar DeRozan played absolutely horrendous in terms of shooting the basketball. Um, they found a way to make it close. It was a close game in the fourth. Grizzlies just made a couple more plays. There were big stretches, and I think the two biggest names would be Jonas Valanciunas from the Grizzlies, 23-23. and 23. That's coming up huge in a playing game, man. And then Dylan Brooks, he... He's a dog. Like he's a straight a hole, but dude is a dog. Like he gets in you defensively, and he plays real hard offensively. Got a good jumper, and he can get to the rack. Um, and he just has that mentality. Like if you watch him play, he looks like he's mad all the time, um, and he just wants to go at people. Like he's that competitive on the court. There's dudes who talk about it. There's dudes who play like it. He's for sure a guy that plays like it. And he dropped twenty four as well. So it wasn't just I'm gonna get in guys, whatever this, that, and the third. I'm going to go ahead and get some buckets as well. So shout out to the Grizzlies. They got one more game to see if they can make the plan. But that one more game is going to go against the team that unfortunately lost that last playing game. And that's going to be the Golden State Warriors. This Lakers-Golden State Warriors game. So this is the one, obviously, that everybody was waiting for. It kind of exceeded the expectations um, even I had for it. I think, and I think for a lot of people as well. I, I tweeted it out for the drama. That first half could not have gone any better. It couldn't have gone any better in terms of uh, garnering attention um, and 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 getting us revved up for a, a spectacular second half. Because in the first half, Golden State dropped fifty-five. The Lakers only dropped forty-two. It was 55-42, 13-point lead. Steph hit that ridiculous step back three, drive, dribbling all the way from the right side to the left side of the court. Um, the Warriors were playing really good basketball, and it wasn't just on offense. They were playing spectacular defense as well. Draymond was putting on a clinic on how to guard people, and the Lakers didn't know how to adjust, and LeBron was not himself. If you watch him the entire game, he, he was not himself. He had about... Three, four, five moments in him where you knew he's like, I, I can get up, I can get to the rim, I can do this. But a lot of it was a lot of Laker complaining and yelling in the first half instead of just trying to get buckets. Um, they got more of the whistles in the second half, so it kind of evened itself out. But I think it was more of those being actual fouls as opposed to in the first half. They were just screaming for everything, which is kind of what the Lakers do. But I mean, every team yells, you can't like single out the Lakers for it they're just a little more annoying because they're good <laughs> it's like why do you have to keep yelling for the calls but at any rate um that second half started and I think they got to the line maybe three or four times in a row five, they got into the bonus right away and and were able to get right back into the game with a couple of defensive stops and then the Warriors were just so sloppy with the basketball in the second half so many ridiculous turnovers it's the one thing about this team that has been true as long as Steph has been the point guard on this team they like to go for the home run and him and Draymond like to throw sometimes pretty ridiculous passes they work a lot of the times and sometimes they don't but when you're playing a defensive team like the Lakers they're not gonna work all that often so that's what happened to him in this game the Lakers were just 
stifling defensively in the second half, uh, held Golden State to 45 points this time. Um, but it didn't mean Steph wasn't spectacular. Steph was still absolutely incredible in this game. Dropped uh, 37 points, had seven boards and three assists. Draymond had eight, nine, and two. Uh, Andrew Wiggins actually really came to play tonight, had 21 points. He played really well. Anthony Davis out there playing like he's a two guard. He still had 25 and 12, even though his efficiency was down. LeBron with a triple double, 22, 11, and 10. They had to get Andre Drummond's ass off the court. I've been talking about that for a while. There's a reason he's been available. It's because he's not as good as the numbers suggest. Yeah, he gets a lot of rebounds, but guess what? He clogs the lane, has no post game, etc., etc. That's why a guy who's making $28 million for a team that he doesn't even play for anymore. They cut him for a reason. He's available for a reason. Exactly. So when he was not, when it was go time, when it was crunch time, guess who was on the court? Not him. Exactly. So fourth quarter comes around. Teams are going back and forth. Warriors make a run. They're actually t- we actually have a tie game with two minutes left. And what more could you ask for in this uh, in this in this scenario in this playing game where we knew this was the marquee matchup? And they go back and forth a little bit, and then the game defining shot. Obviously, uh, Warriors play incredible defense for twenty three and a half seconds. KCP just throws the ball out to LeBron. LeBron, after getting poked in the eye, just throws up some shit from 35 feet in Steph's face and knocks down the three. And I could not believe it. I know everyone on NBA Twitter couldn't believe it, whether you were a proponent or opponent of the Lakers. That's one of the most incredible shots I've seen, especially with the scenario that was being upheld. The loser of that game has is, is in a do-or-die situation um and it was it was looking like there was a, a world where the lakers were gonna lose um but they were able to pull it out after they hit that three the the warriors unfortunately after that they had 10 seconds left and for some reason steph was just dribbling the ball in half court like in the back court when they should have just like or they actually got stopped before that they should have just called a timeout they would have had eight to ten seconds left but things happen like that and, and things get crazy sometimes Steve here had to walk all the way across to the Laker bench to get his timeout off. Two seconds left. They try to get the inbound in. That ball gets knocked away, and then the War- or Lakers end up winning the game. So now, in terms of matchups, the Lakers are going to be the seventh seed, and they're going to play the Suns. The Warriors have to play Memphis, although they do get to host the game. Whoever wins that game becomes the eighth seed and plays the Utah Jazz. In the Eastern Conference, the Boston Celtics, since they won their game, they're the seven. They're going to play Brooklyn. And now you're going to have the Hornets play against, or excuse me, you're going to have the Pacers play against the Wizards. Winner of that game becomes the eight seed. They're going to play Philadelphia. So just going back to that game, absolutely spectacular. Thank you, NBA, for implementing this playing system. It's not going to always work out like this, like I said before, so don't get too up in your arms about it. Um, but it's going to perf- it's going to bring in some some exciting performances and when the games are close you're really going to feel it with these players um knowing that in the back of their mind if we lose we only get one more shot or if we're in the loser position the 9-10 matchup hey our season is done if we lose but if we win we get another chance to see if we can get into the postseason even if our season didn't go as well as we wanted it to go so it's going to be exciting it's going to continue to be exciting um but just like when an NBA blowout happens, like 
it's going to happen in these play playing games too. That doesn't invalidate it at all. We're going to be fine. Um, and thank goodness that the Lakers Warriors game happened. Um, this is just for, for most of the people who are opponents of it. It shows you that when it works really well, it's going to work really well. So I'm glad we have it. It's going to continue to be a great thing going forward. Um, and uh, that, that game, man, it's, it's hard to even put into words like what to what to even say about. It. There's so much to say about it, but it's over now. And now let's go ahead and move into these playoff matchups a little bit. All right, so I'm gonna give you all my first round previews based on what we know now. Um, I'll go ahead and start in the Western Conference. We have the Clippers and the Mavs. It's gonna be a replay of last year's first round series. Clippers won that series. Um, but it did have a lot of theatrics. You had Porzingis getting ejected early on in the series, and then he was injured for pretty much most of that series. Luka hit one of the most wild game winners like in league history. Um, but Kawhi was absolutely spectacular that entire series. Um, but and these, but but it, it's hard to use just last year because obviously the best players are there. But these teams are very different from a year ago. There's no Lou Williams. There's no Montrez Harrell for. Um, for for Los Angeles, um, that Mavericks team is missing uh, Seth Curry from last year. Um, it's it's just a couple of different squads, um, not too much, but different enough to where the approaches are going to be um, a little bit different. And all, um, I guess, all in all, what I would see from this series, I know Kawhi is going to be great. I know Luke is going to be great. All Paul George has to do is be Paul George. Regular season, Paul George for half of the series. He doesn't even have to. Sh- I'm not even asking him to show up for every game. If he shows up for half the series, they should be fine because they just got a Baca back, who's working his way back. That evens out the depth in their roster a little bit more. Um, they got guys like Trey Mann who played really well in the regular season. Uh, um, we'll see if they play Kennard. Beverly's working himself back as well. So the roster uh, should be close to full health going into the postseason. I think they're going to be fine. Um, the Mavericks are just... They were a little disappointing earlier because Luka wasn't in shape and they were dealing with some injuries. They played better in the second half. I think this Clippers team is just going to be too much for them. I got the Clippers in five against the Mavericks. Now, Nuggets Blazers. Now, y'all know, obviously, you listening to this pod. You know I'm a big Nuggets fan. And so it's hard to take my personal bias out of this one. But it's the team I've watched the most all year, obviously. And trying to look at it objectively, the Nuggets aren't just without Jamal Murray for this series. They're also missing Will Barton, who's a key contributor. They're missing P.J. Dozier, who's a key contributor. Um, they just got back Monte Morris, who came back from the hamstring. Um Will Barton might, but even if he does come back during this series, it's going to be late and he'll still probably be compromised. And in terms of matchups, this is probably one of the worst matchups you can have because we're dealing with CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard, two of the best guards in the NBA. And Denver was well equipped to do that for the last couple of years when you had guys like Gary Harris and, and Jamal Murray and Tory Craig to be able to guard these guards. Now all we have is little small Faku Campazo, and he's going to be tasked with guarding Damian Lillard. So Denver is not as well equipped as they have been in the past to try to handle these guys um, on, on on the defensive side in terms of what Denver can offer at the guard position. 
so that part's going to be tough. I don't know if Denver really has an answer there. Um, even though Faku has done well against guys, he, he makes it really hard. He's annoying. He's strong. He's short, so he's able to get into guys. Um, but he's only going to have so much of an effect. Um, what I really think this is going to boil down to is the matchup between two guys who aren't really even guarding each other. It's going to be C.J. McCollum and Michael Porter Jr. Now, C.J. McCollum, two years ago in Game 7, was absolutely spectacular for the Blazers. That performance um, allowed the Blazers to trump the Nuggets in that Western Conference semi and get to the Western Conference final. He was absolutely spectacular, actually, on both ends of the floor. If you remember that game, if you watched, he had that big block in the fourth quarter on top of hitting some of the biggest clutch shots down the stretch. He's not really going to have a guy who can really guard him. So it's going to be interesting to see how they play him. Aaron Gordon is there more to guard big guys or big wings. I'm interested to see if they're going to put him on the guards at all. But CJ, because a lot of attention is going to be on Dame, as it normally always is, he's going to have a chance to have a really big series. Michael Porter Jr. has has worked himself into being maybe the most improved player in the league, but he's not going to win that award. Um, the Nuggets have been... It's funny because... Even with Jamal going down, even with Will Barton going down, even with Monte Morris going down, even with P.J. Dozier going down, they kept finding a way to win. And it's all because of Jokic, but we'll get to him in a second. Michael Porter Jr. has averaged 25 points a game um, since Jamal Murray went down. He's pretty much been playing incredibly well for three-fourths of the season. The first quarter was a bit shaky, but he's a guy who's 6'10". He has a ripper of a jumper, shoots like 45% from three, doesn't make any sense. Um, if he is able to shake off physical play, get his open jump shots and knock him down, that's going to be the key for Denver to try to win this series. If Denver was healthy, I would pick the Nuggets in probably six. Because they aren't healthy, I'm going to go with the team that has the MVP. It's going to be hard, but no one on Portland has a shot at guarding him. And he'll be able to find open people, get open guy shots, as well as creating his own offense. I have the Nuggets in seven. Next up, the Jazz. Guess what? We don't know who they're playing yet. We have the Lakers and the Suns. Now the Lakers just played. LeBron doesn't look like himself. But even with LeBron playing like trash, 22, 11, and 10. And they found a way to win. As long as they don't play Andre Drummond too much and Anthony Davis doesn't stand on the perimeter like he's Kevin Durant, they're going to be fine. I have the Lakers winning this one. In, uh, I think because of the nature of the, the injuries that they've been dealing with, especially to LeBron, I think the Lakers will win this one in six. I think Phoenix has had an awesome regular season, obviously, and Chris Paul deserves a lot of praise for that. So does Devin Booker and the rest of their team, along with head coach Monty Williams. But the Lakers are the Lakers. You're, I'm sorry, Phoenix, that you had to have this incredible regular season. You get rewarded with playing the Lakers in the first round. It's unfortunate, but that's just the way the cookie crumbles for y'all. So I got the Lakers in six. Moving over to the Eastern Conference, we got the Knicks and the Hawks. This one's pretty much a crapshoot for me. I feel like it's destined for seven, the Hawks. We're tied for the third best record after the All-Star break. They were 25-11. and 11. There were actually three other teams, 25-11. and 11. Um, Nate McMillan truly had an impact on this team, even though his arrival kind of coincided with the team getting more healthy. Bogdanovich, Gallinari, 
uh, guys like that, even though they lost DeAndre Hunter. Um, this is truly a team that does it by committee. With a minimum of 20 games played, they have at least nine guys, a league high, nine guys who average double digits for this team. Clint Capella has proven himself to be more than just James Harden's dunk driver person, catch lobs and stuff. He's been doing it on both ends, and he actually led the league in rebounding this year at 14.5, I believe. Um, this Atlanta team is solid. They have earned that four seed. They've been great in the second half of the year. Um, the Knicks, however, have had moments where they felt like the story of the league during pockets of the of the NBA season. They're led by none other than Jer- uh, Julius Randle. He's going to get some all-NBA consideration, and he's definitely going to win the most improved player of the year. Um, he's been absolutely spectacular, 24-6-10 for this team. He's brought that energy right back into the garden. Tibbs right along with it. Um, that culture change has been really, really evident when you watch them play. They just play hard all the time. Julius Randle plays like 90 minutes a game, as Tibbs is, is known to do with his star guys. So um, what I think the matchup ends up coming down to is the versatility. Now, I know New York's going to be able to play some defense, and that's something that really does help in the playoffs. But the Hawks have nine guys who can who average double digits they just come at you for so many different angles they have so many different scoring options um i think that that amount of versatility is just going to be something that isn't enough for the knicks even though the knicks it's funny if you see their stats they're they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in certain percentage i think they're number three but because they shoot so few of them their effectiveness really isn't felt that much it'd be like if steph only shot like three threes a game um, it's a great percentage, but and he's not making like he's not going nine for twelve as opposed to like two for three. It's just a difference in effect. So I think because of the versatility that the Hawks bring, they're going to win in that uh, series, and I'm taking them in seven. Next up, Bucks Heat. Now we got another rematch. This was a second round tilt, um, and the Bucks actually got a uh, gentleman swept up out of here. Um, last year in a pretty embarrassing fashion. Giannis coming off his second MVP. Um, once again, running into the walls that teams were creating for him. It felt like a second straight year where no adjustments were made from the coaching staff as well as the player. Um, but this year's different, and it's really different because of Drew Holiday. Jimmy Butler, obviously still incredible. When Jimmy Butler has played this year, he's been spectacular. That Heat team is incredibly good. They got to the finals last year for a reason. But Drew Holiday is really going to make this matchup different for Milwaukee this time. I'm telling you, he's such a good offensive and defensive player, especially defensive player. He's going to be able to match up with Jimmy Butler sometimes. He's going to be able to contain the Miami guards that they have, whether it's Drogic, whether it's um, Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn, whoever they want to put out there. Um, And that allows... It's Because it isn't just putting everything on Chris Middleton. It's like if Giannis doesn't have it going, Chris Middleton feels all this pressure to do something. It doesn't just have to be him. It's now him and Drew. So now that Giannis pretty much has more help on both sides of the floor, it's definitely going to help this team, especially in a matchup against Miami. Now, Miami is not going back down, and they're not going to make it easy. But I I believe... Giannis is going to find a way to break through against his team. And because he has more help, I have Milwaukee winning in six. And last but not least, that we know for now, 
um, because we don't know who's going to play Philadelphia yet. We have Nets Celtics. This is my title pick. I don't really need to go into it too much. I got the Nets in five. I don't mean to be so disrespectful or so pushy or push offy for the Celtics, but I mean they don't have Jalen Brown. Uh, I don't think they just don't have enough firepower to keep up with the Celt or with the Nets. KD, Kyrie, Harden. That's pretty much all I need to say. Favi, Sosa, viral movie. Okay, so um, the last thing I'm going to talk about to, today, y'all, is going to be that MVP talk. So um, I wanted to make a mention of this because obviously I haven't been putting any pods out. There's been a lot of like weird um, MVP discussion and MVP narrative put out there. Um, and I finally get a chance to talk about it. So it's going to be some praise and then some questioning, all those things put together for the man who's going to win the MVP this year, and that's going to be Nikola Jokic. He'll be the first MVP in Nuggets history, and to think about that for as long as I've been a Nuggets fan, to know that there's going to be the MVP of the league is going to come from my team. Um, as a fan, just thinking about that, it's an incredibly awesome feeling. Um, I'd obviously take a championship over everything, but to know that the MVP of the National Basketball Association is coming from my favorite team is one of the coolest things that I've got to experience as a fan. The season has been funny, though, because even though for pretty much the second half of the year now, it was a debate in the first half because if you looked at how the Nuggets started, they, they were pretty low in the totem pole in terms of record, but his stats were still absolutely insane, so that's how he was able to stay around in the conversation when guys like LeBron and Harden and Embiid Relating the discussions because they were putting up great numbers and had great records as well. Um, but then guys started to fall by the wayside and the new cycle started to try to push and swerve guys into the top spot instead of saying that it was just Jokic. And I get it. TV, um, podcasts, everything, like all social media, all sports media, when we're trying to talk about sports, it's boring to just say, oh, that's the guy. We, we like to have different thoughts. We like to have different opinions. That's why you had guys like Nick Wright so profusely try to push for Chris Paul to be the MVP or other people online or on TV trying to say that Steph Curry deserves just as much recognition. Um, they're saying they're all trying to find ways to not give it to Jokic, and it's been a weird thing to witness, but it's not um, it's not something I'm totally surprised by. Um, look at him. Even though he's in shape now, he's just this kind of like oafy white dude who's 6'10, not super athletic, um, but will bust your ass <laughs> like no other player in this league has done this year. 26, 11, and 8 from your center. 26 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists. The man has been absolutely spectacular all season long. When we had the narrative pushed for LeBron, for Embiid, for Harden to be the leading candidates, guess what? They all fell by the wayside, all missed 20-plus games. Guess who didn't miss any games this year? Nikola Jokic. He played all 72 for the Denver Nuggets. Chris Paul. Because the Phoenix Suns were quote-unquote garbage last year. And now they had a chance to be the number one seed in the West. 
He's the difference. That's it. Nobody and nothing else matters for Phoenix. Even though he's averaging 16 and 8. He's the MVP. Guess what Chris Paul's biggest argument was? His team's record. And where did they finish? Second place in the West. Oh, guess where Denver finished? Third. The Nuggets finished third in the Western Conference. Three games back. That's it. Chris Paul, with the healthiest team in the NBA, only finished three games better than the Denver Nuggets, who didn't have Jamal Murray, Gary Harris in the first half of the season, P.J. Dozier, Monte Morris, Will Barton, even Michael Porter Jr. All these guys were out for extended periods of time. Jokic kept trucking along, kept this team afloat. And it sucks that no one wanted to push that narrative for him. Like, I get Steph being spectacular. And as awesome as Steph has been, he's maybe, he's like top three of my favorite players of all time. As spectacular as Steph is, his team was just fighting to get into the postseason. Jokic had his team falling apart, pipes bursting at all different points during the season. And he held his own. His stats were still amazing. And he grinded and got this team to the three seed in the Western Conference. What more did that man need to do? I get people wanting to have different opinions. The ones that really bother me, though, it's not Nick Wright. Because contrary to, like, his opinions, I do like him as an analyst. I do like a lot of the things that he does. He's smart. He knows how to articulate a point. It's the people who like have opinions like like Joy Taylor or Colin Cowherd who just say that he's the MVP and don't understand what um, the criteria is. We have a narrative every time. Like why? Okay, if you want to say Chris Paul's the MVP, tell me what Jokic would have needed to do this season in order for him to be the MVP over Chris Paul. Besides all the things that I just told y'all, but people who are on TV when they're articulating those points, when it's not a debate show, you're not arguing anything. You don't have to back it up unless you have a guest on and there's a little bit of pushback there. There's nothing that you have to really set up. It's just you asking or making the statement and not needing any kind of proof for it. You just say it because you feel it. And you don't you don't have you don't provide enough evidence for it. That's where it gets annoying. If you're explaining your point, um Nick Wright maybe took it a little too far. Um because he was talking trying to talk about things that weren't relevant to the regular season. Um but I digress with that. Nikola Jokic has done everything and some to be the worthy and rightful MVP of this regular season. Now, if they lose in the first round, will it suck? Yeah. Will it look bad? Yeah. But will it invalidate it? Absolutely not. Because stack up everyone else's resumes and put it with him. Stack up their resumes and tell me 
that they had a better season than he did, especially for someone who did not miss all 72. And I'll leave you with this because I did the same thing last year. I will leave you with this. It's a foolproof MVP test. You know what it's called? It's called the LeBron test. If LeBron was doing this, if he had the season that Nikola Jokic did, if he lost Anthony Davis for 20-plus games while he was still healthy, if he lost Dennis Schroeder, if he lost Kyle Kuzma and Montrez Harrell, and, and had all these guys out at different parts of the year. If, and he averaged 27, 11, and 8. If LeBron did that and dragged the Lakers to the three seed, you want to know who would be the goddamn MVP of the NBA? LeBron Ramon James. But because it's not him. But because it's from a guy who plays in Denver, he's not on national TV a lot. Despite the great passing, he's not flashy. He plays in Denver. And unless you're a hardcore fan, you're not watching the Nuggets play. But for the people who truly don't believe, not just the ones who want to have a different opinion, whether it's on TV or on wax. The ones who truly believe that that man is not the MVP this year, you are wrong. He has done everything. He's done anything and everything to keep this team afloat. And every argument you want to make, take him off the team, take him off the team, see how good this team is, that works for him. Winning record, that works for him. Stats work. Every argument you want to make, if you want to put it all together and look at every other candidate, there's only one name that checks off all the boxes. Your 2021 MVP, Nikola Jokic. Thank you guys again for listening to episode 51 of the Good Look Podcast. I'm your host, Leonard Pinkney, a.k.a. Agent P, a.k.a. L. Pinkney. Um, it's our first week of postseason basketball. It's going to be really exciting. Can't wait to keep doing more pods, getting this out to y'all so we can go ahead and keep discussing, keep talking about what's going on with the postseason. Obviously, love talking this hoop. So please make sure to like, rate, share, subscribe to the pod. Only an audio version this time. So thank you again for listening out there. I'm going to get another episode out there next week. And let me go ahead and get into it, y'all. So appreciate your time. Hope you have a good one.